Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. I recently did a teaching on the seven spirits of God that are around the throne of God mentioned in the book of Revelations. What these seven spirits are are described in the book of Isaiah in chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, where it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his root, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, which is the first one, the Spirit of wisdom, the second, the spirit of understanding, the third, the spirit of counsel, the fourth, the spirit of might, the fifth, the spirit of knowledge, which is the sixth, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which is the seventh. These are the seven spirits that are encompassed in the Holy Spirit. And in our previous message, we looked at the seven churches in the book of Revelations to see the correlation between what they were missing. They had some things right, but they weren't walking in the fullness. And because of it, for many of them, something else had gotten in. There was a counterfeit in the midst because they weren't walking in the fullness of the truth of the doctrine of Jesus. Christ means the chosen or anointed one. So if you want to be anointed of the Lord, then you need Christ, the anointed one, inside of you. But we saw that with the churches in the book of Revelations, that because they had some of these things wrong, Jesus stood outside the door of the church knocking trying to get in because that he will not share his glory with another. If the Holy Spirit is grieved, if we choose to be in agreement with some other thing besides the doctrine of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will depart. Jesus warned us of this in the book of Revelations. He told them when they began to get out of alignment with his teachings, he said, repent, turn away, get back right, or I will come quickly and remove my candlestick, which has always from the beginning been a representation of his Holy Spirit from you so we need to get this right all of it so that he can come into our services in his fullness when we talked about this the first time we went from the top down in the same order that they were listed in the book of Isaiah the spirit of the Lord then wisdom then understanding then counsel then might then knowledge then the fear of the Lord because that that is the order that they are also given in the book of Revelations when we see how the Holy Spirit departed from these ministries the very first thing that is shown to us is that it began with a church who was going through the motions they were doing everything right on the surface but they had forsaken their first love. They weren't spending that time abiding like a bride with the bridegroom. They didn't love Jesus with all of their hearts so that they began to follow these other things and stray away from his leading. And as we progress down through it from the top to the bottom, we see it getting worse and worse until finally at the end of it, Jesus is standing outside and can't even get in. But today we're going to look at it a little different. We're going to begin a study looking at it from the bottom up because if they lost it from the top down, then I think the easiest way to regain it is going to be from the bottom up. Because when we look at these seven spirits, aside from the spirit of the Lord himself, of which they all come forth, it begins with wisdom, yet ends with fear. But we know that the scriptures tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, so that you cannot have wisdom, which is the first mentioned, without first having fear, which is the last. I hope you can grasp in your mind's eye what I'm saying here. 
Because for the churches in the book of Revelation, their losing of right standing started with forsaking time with Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord, your first love then progressed down to confusion, counterfeit spirits, false doctrines, lukewarmness, and then eventually Jesus himself standing outside the church, knocking to be let back in and given kingship in them again. And though we see this play out in the seven churches, I assure you of this, that it works the same in a person. So that at the point at which Jesus is on the outside, knocking to get back in, that the person is backslidden, lost, and in need of salvation all over again. So let's start from the bottom today and work our way back up. Because that if getting this wrong from the top down is how they lost the fullness of God, then let us look from the bottom up today to see how we might obtain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. To do this, we're going to start at the last one mentioned, which is the fear of the Lord. In our previous study, the church that is also last mentioned of the seven churches of Asia in the book of Revelations was the church of Laodicea. This is the church that we correlated with not having this spirit or characteristic. In Revelations chapter 3 verse 4, this is what it led to for them. It says in the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God which of course is a description of Jesus Christ, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. They were hypocrites. They were playing the part. They were neither hot nor cold because there was no fear of the Lord. So to this, Jesus says, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and do not know that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent behold I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." Many will say today that the fear of the Lord is simply a reverence. And while that does apply, reverence is a part of it and is very important. It is not a replacement of it. The fear of the Lord is the fear of the consequences of not obeying or being in right standing with him because that he is a judge and there is a judgment coming one day. It's an understanding that hell is real and we are deserving of it. We have already rejected him and walked in sin. We are already guilty according 
according to the law, which still does exist unless you take the way of escape from it. You have got to fear the judgment and get a revelation of the destination that is coming, that there is a hell fire and torment, a place that Jesus preached and warned about more than any other topic when he was on this earth, a place that he said the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched, where the torment is unimaginable or undescribable and we are all bound for it except we begin to walk in the wisdom of understanding it and repent fear is the beginning of wisdom fear won't keep you my friend only love will do that it's the greatest power in all of creation but fear will give you wisdom to get in a place where you can receive it because we are all separated because of our sins from the love of Jesus. So in God's mercy, while we are still here, there are times that he steps back and lets us begin to walk out the consequences of our actions so that we can begin to see how serious this thing is, that it's real, that there's a punishment coming, a wage to be paid for sin. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, God himself said this, Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God is a good God and a good father. He corrects his children to protect them, to teach them, to direct them. He's trying to get us to a place of greatness. He has great things in store for us, but the enemy, he deceives us and wants to lead us into damnation and destruction the Bible says that he has come to steal to kill and to destroy but Jesus came to give us life and to give it more abundantly but we've got to believe by faith what he had to say because we have a choice to make God was crying out with the heart of a father saying I wish that my children respected and feared me enough to believe me and obey me because what I am saying is trying to keep them and their children safe. But they don't fear the consequences, so they keep running out into danger and falling into the snares and traps of the enemy. God does not speak for no reason. When he speaks, you better believe it and listen and fear missing it. Because there are always consequences. Because there is a real adversary out there, a real lying seeking whom he may devour, a real foe that is out to steal from you your destiny and all that is good and holy to kill your physical body and send you into damnation and hell and to destroy the plans and purposes that God has for you in the kingdom. He is real, and if you do not obey what God is saying, then you are following the voice of the enemy into his trap, and it will not go well with you. The first commandment in the Bible that is given with promise is children, obey your parents in the Lord that things might go well with you. That is a spiritual principle. Obey your heavenly father so that things can go well for you. Am I saying everything is going to be easy and perfect all the time? No, there's still an adversary fighting against you, but your father will always defend you in the end. He will work it out for your good. Trust him and fear disobeying 
Fear the consequences. Fear the enemy that you are going to be facing without the protection and provision of your father, provider, and defender. This will produce wisdom in your actions. In 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 25, it says this, And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling that they feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord allowed lions among them, which slew some of them. Let me give you some context as to what is happening in this passage. The people of Israel had been taken into captivity and they weren't hearing the real truth of God. So they did not obey what he had spoken. They were sinning and doing the things that the culture was encouraging And things began to go awry. Nothing was going right for them. Even the animals were turning against them. So the heathen king that ruled over them sent a priest to teach them God's ways. And it says that they did fear the Lord because of the hardships that were happening. Yet every man created a God of his own making and worshiped him in their own house so that they did not worship the God of the Bible. They did not walk in the truth of his ways or his teachings, even though they still claimed his name and thought they were his children. Children, but they weren't. God said in the Bible that those who follow the leading of my spirit, which is the spirit of truth, only they or my children. He said only those who do the will of the father that is in heaven can be counted among my brethren. We have to by faith believe him and walk in the truth that he sacrificed to leave us. We have to be obedient to the words of the Bible, my friend. We've got to believe that there is a hell and a judgment for sin and fear it enough to walk away from it and repent. To acknowledge that we have committed it and sinned against him and ask him for forgiveness to save us from that sin, the master of it and the damnation that is coming for all those who love it. In this, we see that it was God's great mercy that allowed suffering to come upon this people that they might learn to fear the consequences of sin because he is a just judge and he cannot break the laws that have been set in motion. It is a mercy when we correct our children, even if it comes to a whipping, if it teaches them to stop doing that which is dangerous to them or those around them. The quickest way to learn the fear of the Lord, my friend, is to suffer consequences. This is a lesson that you have got to teach to your children. Let them learn it early in the little things that they not have to learn it later in much bigger and difficult ways. The Bible even says that Jesus himself learned the fear of God unto obedience through the things that he had to suffer. He himself was not exempt from this. He endured it to be our example and encouragement. In Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 it says about Jesus that who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard of God because that he feared God. Though he was a son yet did he also learn obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God, a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. You see, my friend, salvation is not merely in the words that we're saying, but in the life that we're living. Do you really believe his teachings? It says right here in this passage 
that he is the author of eternal life and salvation unto them that obey him. Because faith requires action. We can claim to be his children. But what is the story of your life professing? Parents, I tell you this, that the scripture does not say in vain that if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. You ruin the disciple that God has given you. And you will give an account for what was entrusted to you. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. It is so important to teach your children the word of God and to correct them that they might learn that there are consequences to following the leading of the voice of the enemy. Fear unto wisdom comes by one way only and that is by suffering and understanding consequences. If you don't correct your children, you rob them of this understanding and you ruin them. My friend, spoiled does not mean loved. We've made it a cute thing and put it on shirts and bibs and all manner of paraphernalia. Spoiled by mom, spoiled by dad, spoiled by grandma. The definition of spoiled means to take something that had value and make it worthless. To absolutely ruin it so that it is good for nothing but being thrown into the trash. A meal that was good and edifying to the body and useful to those around it that is spoiled, is good for nothing and is waste. A child that has been spoiled had value in the kingdom. It was a soul that was meant to be edifying to those around it, but it has been ruined, wasted, is good for nothing but to be cast into outer darkness. Do you understand the depths of what you are doing, fear the Lord and take your responsibility to disciple your children seriously. I'm not just speaking to physical parents here, though that is a great and mighty weight that you carry. I'm speaking also to those in ministry with spiritual children and disciples that you are leading. You have got to correct them that they might learn the fear of the Lord and move in wisdom. Take this position of leadership and authority that you have been given seriously because you will give an account for it on the day of judgment. Remember that Paul basically told Timothy this very same thing, that how people raise their physical children is how they will raise their spiritual children. So that he instructed him as a minister to take note of it before giving people position in the house of God. This is not a popular message, but this is important to understand because this is how we have destroyed a generation. Making them spoiled, entitled, and faithless because they do not understand consequences. So they do not understand their need for redemption from the damnation that is coming from the wage that they have earned for their sinfulness. Parent, minister, if you do not correct your physical or spiritual children, if you do not teach them that there are consequences to sin and following the leading of the voice of the enemy, then you will give an account to God for removing their fear of him, their understanding of consequence, and ruining them. 
for ruining the church of God and for ruining a generation because they will influence those around them. You, parent, will be judged for that. It happened throughout Scripture because to whom much is given, much is required, and there is a responsibility placed on those who are in authority. That was your disciple. Now, if you did it and they didn't listen, then you're not guilty of that. Your hands are clean of it. It says in the Bible that if you warn them in their sin and they still commit it, then your hands are clean of their blood. But if you did not correct them or do what needed to be done to let them know that they were not in right standing, then you will be held accountable for their blood on the day of judgment. So if you are guilty of this, then you need to repent and correct it. They are in your house. They are under your covering, and you are responsible for them. Parents with physical children, ministers with spiritual children, take this message seriously. Get the fear of God in you and teach them the consequences of disobedience. Now, I'm not talking about grown children that are gone and out of the house. That falls more in the line with the story of the prodigal son. That's when you pray and you fast and you cry out to God and you believe for him to deal with them and bring them back in the proper season. But while they are in your house and under your authority, they are your responsibility. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 24 says this, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him. Often, if you yourself understand the consequences of sin, then you will correct your children, parent, and you will preach against it, minister, whether they like you for it or not, because you love them. Love corrects because it understands the consequences of letting them continue on the path that they are on. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, we read this, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, do not despise the correction of the Lord, neither give up when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastises and scourges every son whom he receives. The fear of the Lord is learned by suffering, consequences, and I tell you, my friend, that the church has not been preaching or teaching or doing a diligent job as spiritual mothers and fathers to put a fear of God in the people. And because the fear of God has been lost, the church as a whole is about to suffer in order to regain it. Judgment comes upon a people, a place, or a nation out of mercy to show them the consequences of their own actions, of trusting and serving the master of sin. God steps back and stops protecting them and lets them see what he's been trying to save them from all along. Just a little taste of what you're going to endure for eternity when he really steps away and the enemy comes to torment with fear and crying and gnashing of teeth. When there is no more protection for you from the adversary, from all manner of hopelessness and hatred and envy and pain and perversion and disdain, hell is a quarantine from all that is God and good and holy. There is no love there. There is no joy. There is no kindness. There is no gentleness. There is no patience. There is no manifestation of the fruits of the Spirit. It's a place for those who have chosen all of their life to reject God. It is a place where there is no God. It's what you chose. 
fear it and flee from it. Take the way of escape that he's offering now. He is pleading. He was willing to bleed and suffer to make a way for you to come away from that old master who is leading you to it. But you've got to trust him. Minister, you better make your people understand this and start preaching on judgment. The preaching of hell and of judgment and of the need for redemption from it by the shed blood of Jesus. Preaching of this will restore the fear of the Lord and either offend or save the lukewarm. My friend, we have got to take this serious. We've got to teach it to our children. We've got to teach it in our churches before we have to learn it the hard way by being turned over to Satan for a season, before being stripped of all of the blessing and provision that we've been given, before we have to start walking out the consequences, before we lose more than we ever hoped to gain by walking in the childishness and shame of sin, wickedness, and rebellion. To the teachings of Jesus. For those who are saved, I want you to remember this, that it was the preaching of hell that drove most of us to the wisdom of getting saved in the first place. So don't be afraid to give others that same grace. Yet once they have come to this knowledge and truth and moved in the wisdom of repentance and called out upon the name of Jesus and been born again, a new creature in Christ, forgiven and redeemed from this eternal damnation. The first thing that we need to cultivate in them in order for them to not so quickly be led astray again is discernment. And that comes by way of the spirit of knowledge, which we will learn about in the next lesson. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.